sponsor a youth, 100 bucks. And I know like my kids want friends from school to come, but some of these kids, uh, they just can't, they, they can't come up with 100 bucks. So if you just throw 100 bucks in the offering, it already went by, you can text 84321, you can do it online this week. Just throw an extra 100 bucks in there and say this is for youth camp, and uh, you'll be sponsoring one of the kids that wouldn't be able to come otherwise, and they're going to experience God. Because our youth team, they aren't playing around. They are, they are pressing in. And so um, you can be a part of that. Amen. So middle school, you're out. If you're visiting, what's that? Oh, and children. Yes, I'm sorry. Today's Family Sunday. That's why we had the kids in here as well. We bless you. We bless your families, your moms, your dads, your single moms, your single dads, all the kids. We bless you. May God's Spirit rest upon you, stir you up, reveal Jesus to you as you lead our world as the next generation of Jesus followers. So I love giving testimonies. God is constantly, well, this is the way the Bible says it. It says that God's eyes go to and fro throughout the entire earth looking for whose hearts are loyal to him so that he may show himself, so that he may show himself strong on your behalf. How many of you want God to flex his muscles over your life? You want God to show yourself strong. So that's why we always read testimonies of what God's doing currently because it activates faith. And I, t- I talk about this a lot, but here's the testimony of it actually happening to Augie, who's a member of our church here. He heard a testimony, and the word testimony means to do again. And when you hear a testimony, the faith it took to create that testimony the first time can be released into your heart, and it creates the same measure of faith to recreate that testimony. So here's an example of that. Augie says, on April 7th, we heard a few testimonies of God working and responding to people's lives. I honestly couldn't tell you about any except one from Jesse Miller. He talked about his position and used car sales and how God spoke to him about focusing on the new cars and the used cars would move. He shared about how a record was smashed. In that same instance, in that same instance, God spoke to me and said, that can be your promise too. I don't sell cars. I actually don't sell anything. I coach call center people on how to best handle clients and create relationships with those clients. They sell a service membership and maintenance. I responded to the spirit in doubt, as I tend to do, and we started talking. I love how the Holy Spirit will do that, have a conversation with us, bring us to faith. I already had set a pretty standard goal of 550 memberships for the office that was 50 each for each staff of 11. So I asked, okay, 1,000 memberships then. He said, proclaim it, believe it, and it's yours because I love you. He made it clear to me to tell the people what his promise was to me. Now that, that's taking a risk, right? I went to work the next day, only one week into the month, and told them in our office meeting that they were going to sell 1,000 memberships this month. If you could hear the groan and mummer, mur, uh, murmurs, mummers, mummers? Well, he said mummer, so it's his testimony. You would have thought, I just told them they all had to work overtime every, every day and Saturdays all month long. I believed in God's promise as if it had already happened. I fasted, I prayed, and I thanked him. I shared this promise with someone at work. I pray with every morning, and every morning we thank God for this promise. 
Today, this was in April, we just backed up with testimonies, thank God. So this one's just coming out of the hopper. Today is the last day to meet this goal, and as I am writing this, the office is only six away from that promise. I've said it before, we are loved beyond our capacity to comprehend. This is what love looks like. And then, moments later, he said, just after sending this to you, the six came in and more. I had no doubt it would. Amen. Isn't that great? Today I want to continue uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit. I popped out of our love series. You're supposed to shift. There you go. I popped out of our love series on Pentecost Sunday because I was walking with one of my children. And I said, how often do you speak in tongues? And she said, I don't. I don't have that gift. I said, were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? She goes, what is that? I could not believe that as, as a spirit-filled pastor that one of my own children didn't even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. And I said, that is my fault. I, I'm so sorry. And so then I spoke to a couple other people in the church, and I realized that you're not a spirit-filled church because your banner says you're a spirit-filled church. You're a spirit-filled church when the church is filled with the Spirit. And so I decided, well, Pentecost Sunday was the next Sunday. I thought, well, let's take advantage of Pentecost Sunday, and I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Al, at 83 years old, got his prayer language. He had to wait forever to get that. Sorry about that. Amen. And we had other people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, having Holy Spirit encounters. And the Holy Spirit responded to us as we were honoring him. He's honoring us. And so then I taught on how to stay filled with the Holy Spirit the next week. And the Holy Spirit is, is just touching people. And I thought... You know, I've, I've been ministering now, pastoring for 30 years, and I've learned that when God's doing something, don't take your foot off the pedal. Cram it to the floor and get as much out of it as you can. Amen? Amen. So today, I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about power, it can, it can really be intimidating. You see, we can talk about information, and that doesn't scare anybody. You can come to church, we can give you information about God, and then you can process it and decide what you're going to do with it when you leave. Hopefully you'll obey it. And that's about it. It's really non-threatening. But when we talk about power, supernatural power, now we're beyond ourselves. And it seems a little scary. I mean, even power in the natural seems scary, you know. The earthquake that hit L.A. Fires, floods, Lightning. Or power in the human realm, authority, scares us. We don't want to be abused, taken advantage of, controlled. Wealth, how wealth can buy power and position and control. Somebody that's much physically stronger than you are can overpower you. My son plays wheelchair basketball. He's in ninth grade, and he's playing with men. I'm talking about men. He's the youngest one out there, the smallest one out there, and there's this dude out there. When Elliot, oh, Elliot, just this is Josiah. Elliot's my other son, and then there's Sam back there. I don't know if you saw Sam by the way in that youth picture. Can you put that youth picture back up for a second? Uh, Hope just nudged me and said, "Look at our son, Sam, is the one in the middle, the men in black. See him right there." <laughs> nice, Sam. Sam's taking no prisoners. You come to the youth group, he's going to lay hands on you. Bam! You're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he won't even smile. Okay, back to the message. 
And so Josiah, you know, we saw this dude come in in his wheelchair, and this guy is mammoth. I mean, I mean, muscles. He's paralyzed from the waist down, but he is boom. And he and Josiah ended up in the basketball game, wheelchair to wheelchair. They went face to face like this, and Josiah's looking up like this. And Josiah's just kind of, you know, he's lanky, and, you know, and this guy's like a mountain of muscle. And they ran into each other, and then they just both started laughing because they thought... They both realized, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, it was David and Goliath. That's the way we can feel many times when we come up against power. They can feel overwhelmed and intimidated. Then you get into the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why the church, for the last 2,000 years, some, some sectors of the church have eliminated the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit because many times you can't control God. We like to control. We like things decently and in order. We like things to be in process. We like methodology. But they that are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. Jesus said the Spirit is like the wind that blows. You don't know where, which way it's coming from or where it's going. It's unpredictable. And so there have been people that I've encountered that have, when the power of God is coming on them, they stop it. And they back away. Because it's overpowering. You feel vulnerable. Speaking in tongues is really strange. God God does things that are unusual and out of the ordinary to reveal His awesomeness and His otherworldliness. And it takes humility and a lack of care about my image and what people will think of me to be able to flow with his spirit. But this is, but, but I want to say this to you regarding the power of God and why you never have to be afraid of it. Very simple. God is love. God will never do anything to you that is not chock full of love any encounter you have that is from the holy spirit will draw you closer to jesus cause you to be filled with more love for god and more love for others god is not an abuser he's not a shock jock he doesn't do things just to be shocking Though getting shocked every once in a while is not a bad thing when it's from the Lord. It shakes us to the core. It frees us, liberates us. The Holy Spirit, whenever He comes upon someone, it's always for salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom. Always. In fact, we see this in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says... uh, In another passage, as I turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says that this is the reason that Jesus came to the earth. Today I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're in my absolute need for the power of the Holy Spirit. Every morning, every afternoon, every evening, every night of our entire lives, as long as we're sucking oxygen, until we see Jesus face to face, 
We need the spirit of the living God. And our spirit, our soul, our emotions, our mind, our intellect, our relationships, our ministries. The kingdom of God is not a natural kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. We are drawing heaven into the earth. The Bible says that the reason that Jesus came to the earth, we're not going to go there, but um, in uh, help me, Stephanie, with the scripture. I want to say First John three eight. I don't think it's. I can't believe I can't get that off of my tongue. For this reason, the Son of God came to the earth as manifest to destroy the works of the devil. But listen to this. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had to have the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon him to be able to destroy the works of the devil. And he was God in the flesh. But he denied himself of all divine privileges. And he came as 100% man and 100% God, but he operated as 100% man when he was in the earth, which is why the Spirit of the Lord had to come upon him. And once the Holy Spirit came upon him, he said, the Holy Spirit is upon me so that I can preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, recover your sight to the blind, set the captives free. And we see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this. How God, will you read this out loud with me? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Everybody say, God good, devil bad. You see that right there in the scripture? How God anointed, that word anoint means to smear. That's why we have oil. What it means to anoint with oil means to smear oil. It's a representation of the Holy Spirit. How God would anoint kings and prophets and priests in the Old Testament. But you know the most awesome thing? Some people will say, well, yeah, well, that was Jesus. You know what is the most awesome thing? The greatest revelation in the New Testament besides the new birth? Now, the smearing of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Now, could you imagine the devil? Your job, your assignment is the devil. I know some of you probably think your spouse is, but he or she is not. The devil. Sometimes they may act like the devil, but there's only one, there's only one Satan, and he saw Jesus as the threat to his operation. And so he thought that he had orchestrated the death of Christ, when actually we all know, and now Satan knows, that it was God's master plan that was hidden, a mystery, until God decided it's time to reveal it. And so Satan thought he killed Jesus, and now this anointed one that has been destroying my works is dead and gone. 
Now I can continue to rule the earth and the human race. And then three days later, he hears a bit of a rumbling that turns into a big rumbling that turns into the resurrection of the Son of the living God. Could you imagine? Could you just imagine the fear that went through the devil's soul, if he has one? But that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it was the day of Pentecost. <laughs> now Satan had to deal with 3,000 anointed ones that went, whoosh, went everywhere, healing, delivering, and setting free. And guess what? It has never stopped. I'm going to show that to you in the scriptures today. And if you've been taught that it stopped, again, a huge, all caps, apology to you for ever being taught, told, that the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit died with the last apostle. Why, in God's name, would he ever take the power out of the church before Jesus returns? That is pure insanity. The devil didn't lose his power. The devil's still afflicting and oppressing and possessing and killing and destroying. Why would God allow the devil to continue to wreak havoc in the earth but take the power out of his church? It's foolishness. There's no scriptural precedent for it whatsoever. That's so why I love being part of a spirit-filled church, man. I remember one person telling me, was trying to talk me out of tongues. And I said, too late. Shonda. <laughs> Sorry, too late. Already happened. And don't you dare tell me that's of the devil. That, that, ooh. Ooh, don't want to do that. Mm-mm. But I love being in a spirit-filled environment where we really believe that Jesus' supernatural ministry by His precious Holy Spirit is still alive and well today. Because it creates, well, the Holy Spirit does miracles in our midst, and then as they happen, then our expectancy of these things continue to happen. I'll give you an example. I'm going to ask Dan. Uh, Dan, would you come on up here real quick? So Dan and Kristen, they found us on the web. They were moving back. Dan's in the military. He flew uh, helicopters in the military off of aircraft carriers in the middle of the ocean for a number of years. And uh, they've transferred back here, and they found our church online. They came. This is, the sec- this is their third Sunday here. So the first Sunday they came, and then they went to Friday night in the park. Say, welcome to Dan. This is Dan. Hi. And, uh, and so Dan comes to Friday night at the park, which everybody's welcome to come. We have a lot of fun. He played volleyball with us and broke his toe. And so last Sunday we came here, and I didn't know about it, but he said, uh, I broke my toe. And tell us about it. Tell, what, what was your toe like and what happened? So between Friday and Sunday morning, uh, Friday we played. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Broke my toe. Not as much fun. 
It turned more and more purple, as a broken appendage does. Uh, my son Vincent can attest to, I was wrapping it up. You, you can't do much for a broken toe. You, I mean, I wasn't really walking on it. You know how you kind of do the on-your-heel thing and try your best to get around. And so kind of three things happened. Uh, one, the recipient, you come in, and you're like, well, I, I did something you know, I broke my toe, and immediately Pastor John said... And Ben. And Ben. Sorry, Ben. Uh, stop everything. Put your toe up here. We're going to pray for it. And it was miraculously healed. So, and I say that as... If anybody is... Yeah. Uh, you Ever taken the Myers-Briggs personality test? I'm all thinker. I'm not a feeler. So... Uh, this is a spirit-filled church. And, Which means uh, we're very feely. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very good with that. Uh, I mean, it was like, uh, like a reverse mosquito just took out all the purple out of my toe and uh, was able to play last, this last Lord, Friday. we pray for the reverse mosquito anointing. So, <laughs> Reverse mosquito, that's great. So it doesn't matter how small or how big the miracle, it's all possible. And, that's awesome. Um, I shouldn't have felt sheepish about asking for prayer because that's what he does. He does those miracles, small and big. Yeah, and see, so. let's say for a second. And that, that's, that's one, of the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you up here was it was before church last Sunday. They walk in as a family. He tells us the story. And rather than us as a church thinking, oh, well, I hope it gets better, if we really are expecting the Holy Spirit to do Jesus stuff, he is the healer, then we pray for it. That's what you do. You say, well, I said, put your, put your foot up here. Ben was in the lobby. I said, Ben, get over here. It doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> Jesus will use anybody. Ben's on the setup crew. But you know what's awesome? I'm going to show you in the scriptures that somebody working in the diaconal serving ministry ended up doing tremendous miracles. I'm going to show this to you very quickly. So Ben comes in. We lay hands on his tennis shoe. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can actually heal through shoes? Yes. Dad joke. Say, say it. What'd you say? Dad joke. Dad joke. That was definitely a dad joke. I would never dishonor your name like that, Jesus, but our worship pastor would. But here's something else that Dad said to me that was very interesting Friday night, and I said, that's exactly what I'm... I said, that's exactly my intro on Sunday morning. You talked to me about control and, and, and needing to control your environment as a, as a copter, as a pilot, right? As a, and, and that this is like, go ahead and tell me what you're, you're expressing. Hold the mic up a little higher. Oh. So uh, when you are flying at night on night vision goggles with a crew and there's no stars, nothing, it is pitch black, out, it, it's easiest to convey darkness but in that darkness, um, you, you as a person have to have control, almost a level of arrogance, so that you don't hurt yourself or your crew. So giving back over that level of control to God sometimes for someone even like me and maybe others in the audience can be quite a challenge, uh, especially over something seemingly tiny as my toe. So... Uh, turning that over to 
pastor to pray and God, you know, maybe it's a small step, but it's something that I'm very grateful you gave me the opportunity to um, yeah. give a quick testimony on. And so, so this was something you couldn't control, you couldn't perform, you couldn't do, and so you had to allow God's power that's beyond the human power to do a miracle. Absolutely. Let's not forget I'm getting a little bit older, and I don't heal as quick as I used to. And uh, for something like this to go like that I yeah. mean, is, is a miracle. Did you guys know that, that? Go ahead. Give Dan thanks for coming up. and Thank the Lord. Thank you, Dan. Did you know that Jehovah Rapha literally means the quick stitcher? In the Hebrew, it's the quick stitcher. Now, you know, we give testimonies of, you know, cured cancers and that kind of thing, but I like these testimonies too because our God is so kind and so personal that He even cares about your little toe. Don't you ever not pray for small, small things. Like my wife and I, we went to, I took her to play, play last night for her birthday, and uh, I prayed for a parking space, and some of you think that's ridiculous. You drive around the block while I park. And we got one on Coronado Island, on 4th of July weekend, on Orange Avenue, right across from Lamb's Player Theater. Anyway, this word power, this word power here in Acts 10, 38, is one of the four great power words in the Bible. And this one is dunamis. It means energy, power, might, great force, great ability, strength, divine power, overcoming, how much resistance? All resistance. It's where we get the word dynamite from. He just got a little stick of dynamite in his little toe. And this exact same word is found in the book of Acts chapter 4. After Jesus raises from the dead, goes to heaven, pours out his spirit, then it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, and with great, what? Say it out loud. Come on, church. That's exact same word as found in Acts 10, 38. But this isn't talking about Jesus anymore. Now it's talking about the 11 first followers of Christ. That with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. How did they give witness? Through the miracles. They preached and then did miracles and said, see, told you. Answered prayer, the miracles are the proof and the pudding. T.L. Osborne, great healing evangelist, when he was in his early 20s, went to India, and he would debate with Hindus, and he would win nobody to Christ. He was so discouraged. He and Daisy, his wife, came home, and then they went to a healing uh, revival, and they saw miracles for the first time in their life. They, They grew up in a church that didn't teach on this, and they saw the miracles. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They went back to India, and they had a debate with some Hindus, and they said, okay, let's do this. Let's have a crippled person come up, and who's ever God heals the crippled, crippled person wins. And they healed the crippled person, 
And that started a revival that lasted 50 years, hundreds of thousands of Hindus and Muslims and animists and all sorts of people that were outside of Christ came to Christ because the miracles are a sign. They're called signs and wonders. Some of them are so outrageous, they make you wonder. And you might say, well, that's just the apostles. See, that was the first 11 that Jesus... Oh, no, go with me now to Acts chapter 6. We're going to walk through this a little bit until we bring it all the way home, right to you in your seat where you're sitting with your, with your followership of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit for you as you walk out those doors today, for you to be able to operate in the same dunamis power that Jesus Christ did. That's the point. Acts chapter 6. Now in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, hallelujah, there arose a complaint among the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. Well, there were twelve because Judas killed himself and they put in another guy. So there's twelve again. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, seek out from among yourselves seven men, good, of, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. You can't even pass out bread if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit in the early church. And wisdom, that we may point over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I want to say to those who are ministry leaders, prayer and the ministry of the Word is your number one calling. I, I do not feel guilty when I'm not doing admin, I'm not counseling, I'm not doing these other things because I'm first praying and giving myself to the Word. That's what I spend most of my time doing. You say, oh, I wish I could be a pastor and just be in the Word and prayer all day long. The Bible says give double honor to those who labor in the Word and prayer. How hard is it for you to pray every day? Just raise your hand if you're like, yeah, my flesh does not like that. Well, okay, two of you. The rest of you are liars. The word and prayer is critical that spiritual leaders are in the word and prayer continuously. And then after that comes all the other stuff. But that was just a side note. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip. I'm going to focus on those two. They set them before the apostles. And when they prayed and laid hands on them, then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now watch this, verse 8. And Stephen, who was one of those who they picked out of the crowd to pass out bread to widows. Or to be on the setup crew or the breakdown crew here at the church. Or to run the sound or any other area of service. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great, great wonders and signs among the people. Now we're not talking about Jesus. Now we're not talking about the apostles. Now we're talking about just the average Joe or the average Stephen. What about Philip? Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 8. Philip was the other guy that passed out. Food to widows. Watch this. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing what? The miracles which he did. Another non apostle. 
For an unclean spirit crying out with a loud voice came out and many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. And now you say, okay, well, that was because Philip had his hands laid on by the apostles who actually walked with Jesus. Well, not so. Let's go to Acts chapter 21, and we will start in verse 8. On the next day, you with me? Acts 21, 8. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, same guy, passed out bread to widows, but now he's called Philip the Evangelist. Do you see how he started humbly serving and then God increased his calling and anointing until he went from being on the setup crew to being an evangelist. And watch this. Now this man had four virgin daughters who, what? Prophesied. How far down the chain do we have to go before we decide this is where the train stops? It's only unbelief that teaches that the power of the Holy Spirit has left the church. That the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Why? Uh, Because they're scary, if you want to be honest about it. But I tell you, they're so powerful. Words of knowledge are so powerful. The youth leaders are teaching the youth on the gifts of the Spirit right now. I love being in a Spirit-filled church because I didn't tell them to do that. We didn't plan that. I was teaching on the Holy Spirit here and found out they were teaching on the Holy Spirit there. And then today, you know, I didn't talk to Josh about what, what to sing in the worship. And, and I asked Mark, as soon as he came, but we haven't seen each other in three weeks. He's been in the center of a revival down in Guadalajara. Good to have you home, Mark. Awesome fruit down in Mexico, man. Rock in that continent with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, huh? South America? Mexico? Country? It's on the continent. It's on the North American continent. It's part of the continent. I feel it. Do you guys feel it? I feel the, hey, I feel the tremors. Having a scientist as a wife is miserable. Okay, you have to understand, that's one scientist whose wife is also a scientist who says it's not miserable having a wife as a scientist. But I say it is. And we've already been through, and we've already been through the love series that says we love each other through our differences. So you still have to love me even though I think it's miserable. Everything has to be just so. Right? Rocking the southern part of the North American continent. In Jesus' name. And where was I? Oh, so I asked Mark, I said, hey, do communion today. So he was a spontaneous, and he came up here, and he's, and I'm listening, I love it. A lot of times I don't plan the service, I just like to sit back and watch. 
And Josh is singing things that have to do exactly with what I'm going to be preaching on. And Mark comes up and he says that you can have as much or as little of Jesus as you need when he was talking about communion. And that is, that I thought, that is the, when I was studying my message, that phrase alone was like the hot phrase of my entire message. And I want to say it to you right now. You're in my need, the depth of our need for the Holy Spirit determines how much of Him you get. If you don't feel you need much of Him, you don't get much of Him. But if you become desperate for Him, as I am every day of my life, look, the Holy Spirit, the word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans, I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, I'm going to send you someone, another, the word means literally, I'm going to send you another just like me. Well, he is just like Jesus because he is Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ. In fact, in the book of Acts, they call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. It's Jesus climbing on the inside of you and I. And living from the inside out. Now that's the difference between religion and Christianity. That right there. Religion is trying to perform outwardly to get God to accept you. Christianity is, you're a loser. Forget about it. You have no hope. The penalty of sin is death. Not good works. Death. But the free gift of God. Is salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you humble yourself and you confess Christ as Lord of your life. And then He goes, and He breathes His Spirit inside of you and your desires begin to change from the inside out. You don't want to go do those things you used to do because you're changing from the inside out. That's the power of the Holy Spirit to resist things that bring destruction the lusts and the greeds and the hate and the envy and the jealousies and the ambition on the inside of our fallen nation, the Holy Spirit's at work on that stuff on the inside of us, restoring us. And the Holy Spirit is making us more like Christ. You and I can't do that through willpower and scripture memorization and following principles and methodology. Not a chance that you and I could be made into the image of the Son of God through human willpower and endeavors. That's crazy talk. This is the Holy Spirit's work and ministry inside of us, making us more and more like Christ. And then, on top of that, you have an enemy. His name is Satan, which means deceiver or liar. And guess what? He is supernatural. There is no way you and I can overcome Satan and all the demons of hell that have invaded the earth that are plaguing the human race through counseling, education, information, medication. These things all help, but they do not help against spiritual forces. They can help discern between truths and lies, which is critical. But even then, even then, you need the Holy Spirit. We have a youth that's in our youth group, and she did not know that she was believing a lie, and it had blocked her spiritually, and she wasn't interested in the things of God. And our youth, our youth leaders 
did what we call just a moment of, uh, it's, it's like a sozo ministry. We have a sozo ministry here, some call it theophostic. It's, it's helping you to s- discover lies and discover truths. And in conventional counseling, it could take weeks, months, even years to discover a lie that you're believing. But the Holy Spirit, He knows everything. And so the youth leader said, let's just get quiet and ask the Holy Spirit if there's any lies you're believing. And this, this teenager, this just happened recently, all of a sudden this, this lie came up in, in her mind. She was like, I'm believing this. Didn't even know she was believing it. A lie can change the trajectory of your life for the rest of your life. You can be living on a lie and not even know it. God doesn't love me. I'm on plan B with God. Whatever lie it may be. They're devastating. Satan, Jesus called him the father of lies because he knows how binding lies are. And then he said, okay, let's ask the Holy Spirit what the truth is. And the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to her. And all the lies came on. She goes, I was believing a lie about my relationship with God and how I couldn't walk with him because of such and so. But that's a lie. I didn't even know I was believing that. And Jesus said, I'm allowed to follow him. And she from that moment forward, caught on fire. The Holy Spirit. 30 seconds with the Holy Spirit. And she's free. But it took vulnerability to get quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to come do in me what I can't do for myself. Do you have, do you have that kind of courage to do that? To just allow God to come upon you by His Spirit and do in you the most wonderful things you could ever imagine. I want to say, come, my beautiful bride. My beautiful scientist bride. Uh, I just, is this on? You gotta, nope, you got to hold this down. See, even scientists don't know exactly how to use everything. Stop calling me a scientist. Um, I just wanted to say something. Um, being someone who is pretty cerebral, married to someone who is very much not cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> not that, that's not an insult. It just is. Being filled with the Spirit, what that looks like from person to person is very different. So what it looks like for John is very different from what it looks like for me. And I think sometimes in a church atmosphere like ours, where it can tend to be heavy on the, if you know the personality types, heavy on NF, for those of us who are STJ, it can be a little, you know, be a little strange. But um, so I think the key is just to be open to how the Lord wants to work in you and how you're individually gifted. For me, what it ended up being, I'm not one of these people, for me to say God said is a very sacred thing. I don't, I'm not one of these people that will go around and say God said this and then God said this and then God said this because I have to know, for me, it's just very sacred to say that. So my relationship with the Lord, the way he has 
chosen to speak to me is through dreams. Because for me, that's a, a thing that is uh, a tangible, that, and, and I, will, I will qualify it and say, this may or may not be the Lord, but this is what I saw, right? It's, it's a tangible. I'm not wondering, was that something I heard or was that not something I heard? And I just want to give you a couple of examples. Um, 20 years ago, the, one of the keys is stepping out is, is yeah. one of my points. Even for people who, uh, if, you, if you feel like, if you're like John, and you tend to be more free with these things, stepping out, willing to be wrong, willing to look silly. Um, 20 years ago, no, more than 20 years ago, we were in a church when we first got married, and he had a girl that had grown up in his youth group, the strongest leader in his entire youth group. Um, She came from a really godly, strong family. She was going off off to ORU, and I had a dream. And I had a little bit of a track record with the Lord of knowing that he gave me dreams. And the dream was that she got pregnant as a, as a teenager. And I felt, oh my gosh, that's not going to be something I should be saying to this person that it loves God, is on fire for God, is going off to ORU. How should I couch this? But I really had made a commitment to the Lord. I'm going to step out and I'm going to be obedient. And I will qualify it by saying, I'm not hundred percent. I don't always hear from God. So I went to her and I said, you know, I had this dream and I just want to tell you what it was. And maybe it's metaphorical, but here's the dream. And she was a little offended. She laughed and said, Pfft well, that's not going to happen. And, you know, oh, okay, ha, ha, ha. Didn't hear from her for over a decade. Long story short, uh, out of the blue, I get a contact from her, and she said, "Um, I want you to know that uh, the Lord was leading you to come to me because I ended up going to ORU. I fell in with the wrong group. Um, My commitment to the Lord waned. I got pregnant. And um, I really felt like she was. I had to make decisions along the way uh, including the decision to put this child up for adoption. And part of what kept me anchored to the whole thing was that dream that you had and came to me. It's like the Lord knew hmm. what was going to happen, and I wasn't going to be on plan B as a result of the mistakes that I made. And in oh. love, he gave you a dream to come to me. Now, I almost didn't do that. And this was the most, and there's much more to the story. She ended up being reunited with this child about two years ago, and it's really a miraculous, amazing story. I say all that to say, now I have this whole track record of where I stand today as an epidemiologist working for the DOD, started with a dream uh, back in 2005, I think. I don't know. Or 2006. I'm not cerebral, I can't. Where I was at home. I was at home with babies. I had five toddlers, infants, preschoolers, and the Lord spoke to me and put me on a trajectory that did not make sense to a lot of people. But now that I'm doing what I'm doing, and I say this with humility, meeting ambassadors and heads of state and and the Lord opening doors that were like, how did I get here? It all started with a dream because I was willing to trust how the power of God was working in my life. Yeah. which will look different than how it's working in your life. And so I think that for all of us, figuring out how God has uniquely gifted you, how the, what the, that power looks like in you, it's not always going to be laying hands on people and seeing them healed or, or um, words of knowledge or whatever. Figuring out how the power of God and his gifts work in you and stepping out and trusting uh, to not be scared of that, but to actually walk in it. Woo! Nice. Yeah, what she said. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you visiting here today, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to be down front, right down here. Prayer teams are going to come down and pray for the sick and any other needs you might have. Maybe you want to be 
a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, they'll lay hands on you. Maybe a first-time baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you really want to have your prayer language and that hasn't been released in you yet. Or you just come down and let him pray for you and just wait on the Holy Spirit and he'll give words of knowledge and things that are just helpful. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the helper. That's what Jesus called him, the helper. We all need the helper. If you just open your hands heavenward and let's just be vulnerable to God right now and just say, God, I definitely need more of you. I need more of your spirit. Just, just ask him that. Just tell him that. Tell him I'm needy. The more needy you realize you are, the more of the Holy Spirit you get. So just allow yourself to be needy this morning. Say, I need more of you, God. I need more of you. I need more of your spirit. Holy Spirit. Just honor the Holy Spirit by, by inviting him to communicate with you, to take over, to fill you. Some of you need miracles in your lives. And only the Holy Spirit can produce them. Ask God for miracles. Don't ever be shy to ask for miracles. James says, you have not, could you ask not? Ask in faith. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you in this place. We're not afraid of you. You are love. Jesus called you the helper. Come, help us, Holy Spirit.